I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Generation BSC, as you may know, is our bi-weekly podcast where we revisit one of our favorite properties from our entire lives, The Babysitter's Club. We take it book by book. When there was a show, (laughs) we're lamenting there's not. We went episode (laughs) by episode. But yeah, we're here. We're back. We're uh, talking today about Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. And I'm interested to see how this conversation goes because I have some thoughts about this. Really? Because I really, really enjoyed this book, uh, like a lot. Even the stuff that really bugged me because there was plenty of it that like really bugged me. It bugged me in a, when I thought about it in a way that seemed realistic, like it was like more like, oh, why are you doing that kind of Mm -hmm. decision making that is realistic of the characters in a way. So it was like, that made me even like it even more than the fact that I got frustrated. So I'm curious to see if you, because it sounds like you didn't have quite the same reaction. That would be an accurate statement. (laughs) I think my biggest frustration with the whole book is honestly the title. So Claudia and the Middle School. 100%. It it, it was a total (laughs) bait and switch. Mystery, this is not a mystery by any means. I like literally have noted over here over and over again. I was like, why is this a mystery? This is not a mystery. Why is this a mystery? And then finally, like Dawn is the one who's like, oh, and tries to make it a mystery. So it was, that's in character for Dawn, but it should not Mm -hmm. have warranted the title of the book. (laughs) No. And that- I mean, I can't really- like, because you don't want the title to be like Claudia gets accused of cheating on a test, or like Claudia right. and the like. I guess it could be something like Claudia and like the false accusation or something. But even that is kind of like not a great babysitters club title. You know, yeah. like it's a little bit too scandalous sounding. But like, there's no mystery at all. Yeah, no, not even <laughs> like you know immediately who it is. Like there, like right. Okay, there's no confusion. The only thing to figure out is like how to prove Claudia's innocence, but that's not a mystery. (laughs) No, that's not, yeah, mystery is like trying to determine who cheated when there are two people, Claudia and the other girl. Claudia knows she didn't cheat. Ooh, it's a mystery. Who who cheated? (laughs) Right. Yeah, the mystery is what kind of dumb ideas can we come up with before we actually come up with the one that ultimately should have been the first thing, which the the school should have come up with it first. Like maybe, okay, let's, we're talking about major plot points. Let's do our like descriptions so that we don't get halfway in and be like, oh, right. um, No one knows what we're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So let's go with back of the book and our, our rundown for this, this book. We are talking about, as we mentioned extensively, Claudia and the middle school mystery, (laughs) the mystery that wasn't as it were. This came out in January 1991, and we are back with a ghostwriter, Ellen Miles. So um, I actually really figured pretty early on that it was a ghostwriter. I don't know what exactly or why. There's nothing I could really put my finger on, but it was just sort of a tone. I was like, I think this is a this is one of the ghostwriters. I'm pleasantly surprised to be A, right, and B. I was even thinking, I think it's the one we liked and not the other one. And sure mm-hmm. enough, Ellen Miles. So uh, Ellen, way to go. Um, I'm going to be yeah. uh, looking forward to hers more as we go along. Agreed. All right. So let's go with the back of the book and see uh, how much of a mystery they try to make this out to be. <laughs> for once, Claudia studied really, really hard for her math test. And when Claudia gets her paper back, she has an A minus on it. All right. But then Claudia's math teacher calls her to his desk and accuses her of copying off Shauna Riverson's test. Claudia can't believe it. Neither can the Babysitter's Club. Claudia would never cheat. And they're not going to rest until they help clear Claudia's name. Accurate. Like, perfect summary. Gets the tone. No 
mention of mystery. No. <laughs> you know, like they didn't try to shoehorn in mystery in the back of the book either. But yeah, I feel like they did a really good job of like, this is what happens in this book. And there's a weird side plot about the triplets that we'll talk about. But yeah, it's it's a, one of the books that I think is one of those like really straightforward, like things happen, the girls do something about it, they resolve it at the end. Right. I think there's good stuff in here. Like this, this to me feels, I think that's one of the reasons I liked it so much is because it feels so much like a quintessential Babysitter's Club book in that it is. It's a simple but relatable problem. Mm -hmm. They handle it in simple but relatable ways. I actually thought the reason I liked this one so much is I thought that they calibrated the precociousness and the like preternatural maturity and the the 13-year-oldness of it pretty well. And that they were still overly mature. They were still, you know, uh, acting or, well, certainly they believed they were, you know, <laughs> capable uh, in ways that other the adults weren't, but still acting more like kids in a way. And then having that main, like, lesson-y plot balanced with a kind of semi-related, if you squint real hard, you know, babysitting subplot. I, I thought it, and I, I thought the triplet subplot was weird, but kind of fun. And I liked what they where they went with it because actually it wasn't what I was thinking it was. <laughs> so why don't you tell everybody what those those two plots were so that we can start digging into them a little bit deeper? Sounds good. Okay, so the Claudia-specific description. So Claudia starts the book off studying very hard with Janine for a math test the next day, which she then takes and feels really good about. The next day after that, she gets the test back with an A-minus grade, and she's elated, but then almost immediately completely disheartened when Mr. Zorzi calls her and another girl, Shauna, up to point out that they had the exactly the same right and wrong answers, and one of them had to have cheated. He immediately believes Shauna when she says she didn't do it, and Claudia feels even worse when her parents and Marianne question whether maybe she actually did cheat. The girls take very actions to prove Claudia's innocence, including listening to Shauna and her friends in the bathroom, breaking into Shauna's locker to find evidence, and trying to trick Shauna into confessing. Ultimately, though, Janine saves the day by stepping in to plead Claudia's case and get her the chance to take the test again to prove she knows her math. Claudia does even better on this second test, and Shauna immediately breaks down and confesses when she's told she'll also have to take another test. The girls all celebrate with Claudia at a babysitter's club meeting, and then Claudia's family has a cake for her at dinner. And despite the title of the book, there's no mystery to solve other than how to prove Claudia's innocence. We know who the cheater is from the beginning. And then the Babysitter's Club specific plot. The rest of the girls mostly just support Claudia in her endeavors, but we do get a running B plot where the Pike triplets end up grounded and without an allowance after they break their fourth window in three months playing baseball outside, and none will confess as being the one who broke it. Mallory eventually gets them ungrounded by having them reenact the situation where the window was broken and determining that it was truly an accident that was no one person's fault. It has little to do with the main plot other than talking about loyalty and standing together. Yeah. Honestly, my two biggest takeaways listening to you re go through the plot and like sort of thinking through it again as a whole are the same thoughts I had over and over again. Fuck Shauna and fuck Mr. Zorzi. They both are literally uh, my first note about Shauna was who needs Koki Mason? Shauna is the fucking worst. Yeah. I was like, why do I not remember her more? This is this is like Koki is like, you know, middle school drama hijinks. This right. is just straight up fucking evil liar. And yes. not only that, but when they listen in the bathroom, and this is where it really took it from like opportunistic shithead kid right. to fully evil sociopath. Right. Is that like, this was a plan. Premeditated. Yes. Yeah. So they, when Claudia is listening in the bathroom, 
she overhears Shauna and her friends talking about the fact that Shauna is so overstretched. She knew she wasn't going to be able to handle this math test or she was worried about how she was going to be able to handle this math test. When she heard that Claudia was studying really, really hard with Janine, everybody knows that Janine's the genius. Like it's literally in the paper. So <laughs> nobody's <laughs> like, hmm, oh, like everybody knows that if she's getting that much help and she's clearly working really hard. And she literally says, who would believe Claudia Kishi over me? Like, yeah, what's one more F, F for Claudia? Yes. Like, what the fuck? That is just straight up evil. I mm-hmm. uh, That was the only thing that, like, kind of strained the the credibility of, of the plot for me. Mm-hmm. But I think it does make her more of a clear-cut villain that, you know, it was premeditated in that way, where if it was genuinely just she was a really stressed out, overburdened kid who panicked at a test and looked at somebody next to her, like, that feels, like, very relatable probably to very a lot of kids. And you don't necessarily want to make that person be, oh, what a terrible person they need to get their come up. Right. Like, you need, in a kid's morality tale, there's less room for that nuance. But... Yeah, that was just evil, 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 evil. And then the fact that the teacher didn't even, well, we'll get into Claudia's actions around it. But the fact that the teacher like just immediately accepted that narrative and moved on. She said like literally one sentence, like, I would never do that. I don't even remember exactly what she says, but it's literally like a sentence in the book where she's basically like, I would never cheat. And he's just like, yep, you're right. You would never cheat. Bye, Claudia. Let's talk about this. Like, what the fuck? It doesn't even like say, Claudia, do you have something to say? Just like straight up accepts it and then so i was like this is a and the level of power that is a substitute teacher to to give the first of all the test that is like worth the bulk of their grade and then make that determination without any kind of input from the real teacher the faculty the the principal like there, that seems an absurd level of power for a sub to have and right. i was like so i was like oh this is just a sub on a power trip and then ooh, the perfect Perfect little detail at the end there. Did you notice? I'm not just a substitute teacher. I'm the basketball coach. And I was like, of course, you are the stereotypical gym teacher sub who this is. Right. And I'm not saying this is not a slight against gym teachers. This is not against the slight against subs. I'm not talking about reality. I'm talking about the narrative trope of the shitty gym teacher jock sub that, that you know, is terrible in the classroom because they're a, they're a meathead and aren't really a teacher right. and like showing up in the Spanish class and they've never taken Espanol and they're like, <laughs> how do you like my gorditas? You know, that kind of thing. Right. I think my favorite example of, of turning that on the head is got to be Freaks and Geeks. Like mm-hmm. that's such a fun, especially made even better by being Biff. Like just the layers yep. on that are just so perfect. If you don't know what we're talking about, go check out Freaks and Geeks because it's really good. And there's a really fun plot line that sort of deals with that takes that stereotype and 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 plays with it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I, I feel like that was definitely in there for like maybe the parents who are reading this with the kids or like the yeah. kids who are, I don't, I feel like that was like one of those things that's going to go right over the kid's head. But immediately yeah, it was like, yeah, but I was immediately like, oh, I see what you're going for with that teacher there. Right. So those were my biggest like overall thoughts. I, I get that the big lesson was supposed to be around, well, I guess that's the bit that what I was sort of debating too, is the debate around cheating and like being honest or is it around standing together and solidarity because there's there's like aspects of that to both plot lines really mm-hmm. so i i don't know what what we because we didn't have the danny tanner moment in the way that we usually do we had celebrations right. like you said for yeah, it was just like a heartwarming not like 
Yeah, it, it was more just like, oh, we love everybody loves Claudia. This is a great night for her, as opposed to like, here's what you, the reader, should take away from this book. Like, there's yeah, there was no clear like indication. I mean, obviously, don't cheat is part of it. Uh, I, you know, that's very clear because because we do see, like you said, Shauna is clearly evil and she cheated. Don't be a Shauna, be a Claudia. But like, but especially when you tie it in with the stuff with the triplets, because like, and Mrs. Pike even says like, I hate punishing them because they're really being loyal to each other and like someone needs to be held accountable for this window being broken also i love that these brothers are like there for each other and standing up and having like that i am spartacus moment like Mm -hmm. we all i did it i did it or i didn't do it i didn't do it like and it it's just yeah I, i feel like this book in particular it's like no clear cut answer and maybe that's something for kids reading it to like think about like or you know if you're reading it with your kids you maybe have that conversation like what does it mean you know, in what situations does it make sense to stand up and say, I did this or I didn't do this? And in what situations does it make sense to not tell exactly what happened? Yeah. And in particular with the with the triplet plot line, like I mentioned briefly before that it didn't go where I thought it was going. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned Mrs. Pike appreciating their solidarity. Like side note, can we just take a like a round of applause for Mrs. Pike's parenting skills? Like top to bottom. Like she's fantastic. The fact that she is saying like I want them to be Mm -hmm. in that kind of mode where they they have each other's back and they're there for each other. So she doesn't want that to go away. But at the same time, five windows or four windows, whatever it is, is a little excessive, especially since they were nearly penniless two books ago. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but the point being is, I was thinking right around the third time that they were like really miserable in the in the ground. Well, first of all, my first thought was actually this is a better deal for them because if one person gets in trouble, then they're grounded. But mm-hmm. the three of them, if they're together, then they're they're like hanging out. But then right. it got to the part where it was like they can't even go outside to play. And I was like, oh, OK, I see <laughs> right. why they would be like yeah. losing their damn minds. So anyway, I, again, great parenting, like figured out how to get past that. Like, oh, you think you're right. going to like the same way I would be like, send me to my room. You mean where my books are? Ooh, scary punishment. <laughs> right. Oh, no, I have to stay inside. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. You mean where the sun isn't, where I'm not sweating, where my three younger siblings aren't like <laughs> right. screaming and running around, where where I can sit in blessed silence, <laughs> listen oh, to no. my music and read my books. Oh, darn. Send right. me to my room. You know, that that kind of thing. So finding a way to make it an actual punishment. But the point is, about the third time that they were, like, refusing to break, I was like, honestly, I'm a little impressed, but I'm also, or I'm very impressed, but I'm also a little bit scared. This is like some Barksdale-level loyalty, like, I'm not going down, I'm not ratting anybody out. And then when I found out that it wasn't because anyone was guilty, it was because they were all innocent, I really liked that flip, that that Mm -hmm. it wasn't that they were trying to protect somebody from not getting in trouble, they were trying to, it, it was... In both cases, oh, I think maybe I just stumbled upon a big theme. Mm -hmm. Like in both cases, it was there was injustice, right? With Mm -hmm. Claudia, it was that she doesn't even get a fair shot. Nobody even like everybody just immediately like, yep, Claudia cheated. Moving on. Accepting that narrative. The fact that the window was broken. Someone was at at fault. Like somebody did this. And even if it was a accident, it was clearly somebody was to blame when that wasn't actually what happened either in either case like that mm-hmm. that unfairness that injustice of it so i appreciated that that turned out to be the plot line as well for the for the triplets because that mm-hmm. made that a little bit more wholesome also that you're not like right. towing the line for the guilty party like again, not a great <laughs> right. not a great message 
But even better, circling back to Mrs. Pike's parenting, the fact that they full on like acknowledged this was not a fair punishment for what what actually happened. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear you out. We're going to make that up to you by taking you out for ice cream in a movie. Like more parents need to acknowledge when they did something wrong. Like I, that's a I don't feel like that that's a radical thing, but I, I understand that that's hard. It's hard for anybody to admit when they're wrong. But yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common thing that I've heard over the years from many, many people, kids and adults alike, that the times they were most at odds with their parents was when parents refused to admit any kind of, like, that's one thing my mom has always been really, really great about, of been owning up to like, yeah, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing either. I fucked up. Right. And that's such a, I mean, Kimmy Hunter would never say I fucked up, but. <laughs> the Conceptually, that, that's yes, what she's saying. <laughs> exactly. But modeling that behavior has absolutely mm-hmm. made it easier for me to, like, acknowledge, yeah. That was really crappy of me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I screwed up. And I love that we're seeing that from a parent because too often there is this attitude that parents have to always be right mm-hmm. in order to maintain respect. And honestly, that's just not parents. That's I, I see it all the time in right. the business world that you have to always be right. Otherwise, people aren't going to respect me. You know what people respect is when you say I fucked up and here's how I'm going right. to fix it. Not, exactly. Not, uh, not me, not me. I didn't do it. And I, I so anyway, I love that. I think... Maybe it would have been more effective as a children's novel if it had been a little bit more clear on the Danny Tanner message, if we had gotten a little bit more debrief around the themes and tying it all together. But from from my perspective, reading it, I loved all these little subtle things that were going through there that hopefully maybe these kids are kind of internalizing without mm-hmm. necessarily needing that. So Mrs. Pike, uh, you know, acknowledged that she had made a mistake, that kind of thing. Right. I don't know. I, I don't I, I, so I have a hard time. We talk about this all the time, but I have a hard time distinguishing like what I'm getting out of it as an adult versus what right. I would have or did <laughs> yeah. get out of as a kid and, and what I actually want <laughs> it to be. So right. anyway. Yeah, I did appreciate also that Mr. Zorzi apologized to Claudia because I yes. feel like in not that I ever was accused of cheating or had any situation like this where I had to deal with it as a kid. But like, I feel like the typical thing in this situation would be that if the teacher apologizes at all, it would be to the Kishis, not to Claudia. And I did appreciate that he apologized to her, not listening to her, not giving her the benefit of the doubt the same way he gave Shauna the benefit of the doubt, like letting her sort of not necessarily plead her case, but at least say something like he didn't even give her the chance to like to even tell him like I studied with my sister for days for this you know I she knew that I knew it back and forth I was nervous obviously for this test because I'm not good at taking tests but I knew my stuff and I felt prepared and I was really happy when I walked out of the test like he didn't even listen to her at all and I think that it, I guess it's sort of going along with what you said it's nice to see an adult character acknowledging when they screwed up and basically saying I'll do better because I think that's a good thing for kids to see. And I think that they're, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know where I was going with this. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, I'm saying something. I don't know where I'm getting. It's fine. <laughs> Welcome to the inside of my brain, like at all times. How many times have I been talking to you over the years and just been like, I don't know where I was going with this. Lost it about right. 10 miles it's back. It's fine. <laughs> um, the thing that you said there that really stood out to me, that that stood out to me in the book as well, is not only did he apologize, but like you said, he really did say, I learned from this. Like, I mm-hmm. learned a valuable lesson. I guess that scene is probably the closest thing that we have to a Danny Tanner moment. That's true, yeah. And you're right. I think I'm more, I mean, clearly I have my parental hangups, so that's where more where my focus was. Teachers always really liked me. Go figure. I was a suck-up and I was good <laughs> at school. So I was a people pleaser who loved school. So teachers, obviously, were like, please be in my classroom. But... But for 
a teacher to also admit that they're wrong. Because certainly while I never experienced that, like you said, I watched plenty of teachers mm-hmm. like fully double and triple down when, yep. you know. And, and in fact, I've, I experienced that over the years, not so much when I was the younger age, but as I got a little bit older, I mean, I definitely had teachers. I had one teacher in high school who fully did not like me. And I can't really remember why. I, I was I was racking my brain as I was, as I was reading this. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly that it was a freshman in high school religion teacher in my Catholic high school. So it was likely that I was questioning Catholic doctrine, if I had to guess. Yeah. I'll be perfectly honest. And at that age, I was still even doing so, trying to do so in a respectful way. It was hardly a, but you know, that's not something Catholic schools really love to any, any kind of questioning. The point being, I don't remember what exactly what it was. What I do remember, though, is I did let my parents come in and, and like argue the case because mm-hmm. Sad but true, adults listen to other adults before they listen yeah. to children. And so that was my biggest critique of the book as a whole was their absolute like conviction that they knew best that having parents involved would only make things worse. And I was like, they kept asserting that. And I was like, why would having parents involved make this worse? That's adults are supposed to be your advocates in the world when you can't advocate for yourself, when you're not getting that respect that you should be given because you're a child. And like I, we talk extensively about how we appreciate how the series shows kids how to stand up for themselves. And I wouldn't even object to a plot line in which they had to take care of it themselves. I wouldn't even object to a plot line where they had to take care of it themselves if they had already been let down by another adult maybe that, that should have been there to handle it for them in some way or they weren't available in some way. I, like, Because I don't yeah. want to say... I don't I certainly didn't want the Kishis to believe Claudia any less than they already do. And I thought that they did a relatively decent job. We'll we'll get to come back to that and Claudia's feelings about the whole thing, I'm sure, in a minute here. But the point being, I, I like I didn't want them to feel like they had to take it on all by themselves. That's why you have adults. I wish that there was a a, a reason that an adult couldn't be there for them at first, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of a good reason plot-wise, that would make sense that wouldn't make the Kishis just look horrible or the school look even worse. You know, I don't, I don't, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because it's, yeah, because I feel like in the real world, the Kishis, I mean, obviously the principal called Mrs. Kishi. So she had talked to another authority figure at the school. So like, what was that conversation like? And then why in at that dinner where they talk about the fact that Claudia has been accused of cheating, like, and Claudia is just like, no, no, I'll take care of it. And the Kishis are like, of course, our 13-year-old will advocate for herself against a teacher who has accused her of cheating. And we have nothing to do with this. Like, it doesn't, because like, yeah, we don't want the Kishis to be like, we don't believe you, so we're not going to go advocate on your behalf. Because frankly, you have to be the worst parents in the world to be like, I'm not even going to try. You know, like, it's, it's one thing if it's like, you probably did cheat, which like, let's not get into any parents acting that way. But like, even in that situation, there'd still be a conversation to be had and figure out what to do next. And like, I guess that's what frustrated me the most is because in, and again, I have never been accused of cheating. I've never been in a situation like Claudia has been in. But like, I would expect in any situation like this, especially when it's a test versus something like plagiarism on a paper where you can't be like, rewrite this paper and we'll see if you cheated or not. Like, it's a math test. Take another math test on the same subjects. Like, that should have, like, obviously there would be no it's book if that one. happened. There would be yeah. no book if the Kishis stepped in and were able to advocate for Claudia. Like, I understand we have to have a story for the book. Fine. However, it's a math test. Take the test over. See who fails. Like, 
you know, separate them. There's no one that they could possibly cheat on. Like, and the fact that Shauna wasn't also taking the test at the mm. same time that Claudia was. Yes. And it was only after Claudia did even better on this one that they were like, oh, you know what? We should probably have Shauna take a test tomorrow. Like, have them both take a test immediately and see who cheated. Like, <laughs> or see if they have the same. Because, like, the fact that it was like, you both got this one question wrong in the exact same way and that would never happen. And I'm like... It's remedial math. There's only so many questions that these kids are being asked. And those questions are not going to be so complicated that there's myriad ways that you can answer it incorrectly. You know, so it's like, I don't believe that that's the evidence that you need that one of them cheated. Like, it's possible that they both got the answer wrong in the same way. Obviously, Shauna did cheat. But like, just have them take the test over again take or take a different test over again. One million percent. I So two things there. One is I, I will give them some benefit of the doubt because it wasn't that it was the one question that they answered exactly incorrectly. It was all three that they had wrong were answered exactly incorrectly in the exact same way. And, right. and all the ones that were answered correctly were answered correctly in the exact same way. And there are... I do remember from those math days, there were there there are sometimes times where you could like do one thing first or another. You know, there were sometimes yeah. two ways that you could do something. So at least I'll buy that it was a little bit more identical and that looks bad, number one. But the thing that that popped into my head when you were talking about that about a number, I fully agree with you. And in fact, I wrote down, why the fuck isn't Shauna taking this test? Like she should that that should have been sprung on her the second they walked through the door because then guess what? Claudia wouldn't have had to take the fucking test again because although that was good for, again, plot, plot wise. Right. It made I sense for plot. Yes. Because it was also proving something to Claudia, which again, we're, we're sort of circling around the Claudia of it because I know we both want to like dig into her on her own thing. So we're sort of kind of doing it backwards, I guess, you know, yeah. her, um, <laughs> zeroing in on Claudia at the center yeah. of this conversation. Anyway, the point is one of the things that I realized I, I was, as you were saying that I'd kind of forgotten, but even more than him just being like, oh, you should take the test. And this is, I think, probably a, a function of him being a sub and not an actual math teacher. But when they call them up and he points out the one that's wrong, Claudia immediately goes, oh, I understand what I did wrong there. I think I subtracted first when I was supposed to multiply or something, whatever math words, insert math, math. I was supposed to math this way when I mathed that way. What she did in that case, it was an actual mistake in how she approached the problem. Not like a, you know, I subtracted eight minus five and accidentally wrote down three. And I mean, (laughs) 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 and accidentally wrote down two instead of three or something like that. Right. It was an actual like I did this problem wrong. Looking at it now, I understand what I did it wrong. You know what that demonstrates? A knowledge of the fucking material. Right. If she had cheated, she wouldn't be able to look at how, how what the question then see that it was wrong and then immediately go, oh, I recognize what I did wrong right. here. Exactly. That if it was any kind of real teacher, especially a math teacher, that would have told you right then and there, or at the very least, would have raised the alarm bells that, hey, she clearly knows this material in a way that would indicate, or she clearly understands this in a way that that indicates she knows the material. Right. Why would she need to cheat or why, you know, that should have been a much bigger deal to a a teacher to recognize. Right. So like, yeah, I think, and again, you're not talking me out of liking this book. I still really, really like it because (laughs) these things are definitely glaring errors now that we're like sitting here and talking about it and picking apart. And Mm -hmm. as we have discussed many times, clearly not the intention of Scholastic (laughs) in 1991 that 30-somethings, 40-somethings are going to be sitting around talking about how these books hold up 30 years later. And so I, I genuinely didn't notice it when reading the book and that or 
it was mild, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was minor. And if I wasn't reading it on a critical level, I think it likely would have been even more of a just yeah. let it go. Because if there is one thing my pop culture obsessions over the years have, have uh, afforded me, it's a, an, a stellar ability to suspend my disbelief on, on things and just go with certain ideas because it helps the plot move along. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we held everything up to standard of like, that's how, not how it would actually go. We'd never right. watch or see anything ever, ever again. So those, they're quibbles now. And I think they're important for us to point out and like to address mm-hmm. so that we can, like we said, continue the ball down the line as they are doing that with these, with this series. And I don't think it would have, it, it, it certainly didn't, impact my overall enjoyment of the book is is where I landed mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was just like in a weird mood when I was reading it. Like I don't I didn't hate this book. I think I was just less able to suspend my disbelief. Like I ke- I get I kept getting sort of bogged down in the like this would never happen. Yeah. Even though right, like objectively I understand these things have to happen or this book doesn't happen. You know, like it it's not necessarily like plot stupidity because it's a bunch of people being stupid but like it's it serves the purpose so that we have a story to tell it's just i think that there were just like a few too many of those things that like added up to me being Fair like point. this isn't great like i didn't i didn't hate it i just it i was like frustrated reading it because i couldn't get past it once it was like sort of snowballing i was just like i none of this would happen so the fact that all of this is happening is just like a bridge too far for me Fair point. That is super, I completely understand where you're coming from, especially because of the title misdirect. I I, I think that that sets a level of frustration that, I mean, I can't guarantee this. And it could have been your mood. Lord knows we have talked about that plenty of times where our mood has impacted (laughs) how we've approached these books. But I firmly believe that if it had been called anything other than a mystery and had set up what to expect from the plot a little bit more. Right that we would have, I think that your frustration would have been a lot lesser because you wouldn't have been primed for something that it it wasn't at all. It was, they did it seriously. It was such a disservice to the story. And that's, that's really disappointing. And what's funny is I, there were a couple of things about this that came back to me. I don't know if any of it did for you. It didn't clearly didn't make a super strong impression because I did not remember the Shauna stuff of it all. I mm-hmm. remembered the pig Latin and the op, op speak because we tried op speak for a while. It didn't go terribly well. Um, it seems like pig Latin is inefficient. Op talk is like you're literally spelling every word. Like it was ridiculous. No, th- there's no you can't use that in any practical way. Even like a sentence would take you like 10 minutes to say. Oh, we tried to use it for um, notes. To, like to, to oh. print coding on notes. Oh my God. It was like 17 pages to write like right. three, three sentences. Didn't go very well. So like, it's funny how that stuck in my brain, but the rest of the plot didn't. The cover did stick around uh, for whatever reason in there. But I'm, I'm wondering if how much of this didn't stick around for me because as much as I said, it wasn't an academic thing for me. There was so much of Claudia that I identified with this in, in this book. Talk about adding, racking up evidence towards our Claudia has ADHD theory. It's like all over this book between the like, even at the very beginning, there's like 17 different cues. The fact that she finds milk duds in her rooms and totally forgot that they were there and didn't, you know, like object permanence. If you don't see something in front of you, it just ceases to uh, exist. The number of times I have found 
clothing or jewelry or something in my apartment and been like, oh, I forgot I had this. <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. The fact that she's like, I really can't study without music, but Janine doesn't listen to or can't have it on. So she had to turn it on right away. The only being hyper interested in the things that she's interested in. And if she's not interested, not getting that dopamine makes it really hard for her to focus. But then when she was like actually doing really well at the math because she was having that feeling of doing good and so that was giving her the dopamine and like even the her so as much as Mr. Zorzi and no one really gave her the chance in that moment to defend herself Claudia also doesn't speak up and that's unlike Claudia in a lot of Mm -hmm. like we've talked about how you know wasn't it Claudia was the one who lectured the parents about how they need to be you know step up and not be absentee parents I can't remember what book that was but that was definitely because it was different than the Barrett's it was the ones that just like would drop their kids and then disappear. Right. Anyway, the point is that's unlike Claudia. And I had a moment where I was like frustrated by her. And I was it, as a like written character in that mm. I was thinking, this is not Claudia. We know Claudia. She's sassy. She's going to stand up for herself. She's going to be like, however, there's debate around whether rejection, rejection sensitivity disorder is an actual disorder and, you know, whether it's just whatever. But it's pretty commonly reported that people with ADHD have a higher a lower threshold, I guess I should say, for rejection. And especially if it's around something that has been a repeated area of problem, especially for undiagnosed people with ADHD, I certainly have a lot of sensitivities around things that were because of that's how my brain worked. And I didn't understand that. Nobody understood that. So I would, the things I would get in trouble for, kind of, if that makes sense. And in this case, this is it for Claudia. So it makes from an ADHD, from a from the Claudia has ADHD theory level of it, her not saying anything in that moment, especially when she describes what's happening to her, how she feels cold, and then how her face gets hot. That is, here's where I'm going to nerd out for just a second. Um, that is a an emotional hijack where her amygdala literally took over her brain. And when that happens, those physical responses, it actually, when the amygdala is in control, your neocortex, your prefrontal cortex, which handles your decision-making skills, it cannot be in control. Like it's literally a one or the other type of deal. So Mm -hmm. in that moment, she didn't have her logic faculty. She didn't have the ability to like ration through and think up. And it was especially affected, I believe, by by the fact that this has come up over and over again for her. So I wish that they would have, and again, being a sign of the times, I think if they would have had a plot like this now, maybe if, if they do update things in the graphic novels, or if we get another version of a TV show somewhere, somebody pick them up. Anybody? Anybody. I know we're getting unrealistic there, but a girl can (laughs) dream. I would love to see them have a little bit of conversation around that, around how, like, somebody saying, you know, Claudia, you're always so, you know, you're so willing to stand up for everybody else. Why is it so hard for you to stand up for yourself? And to really recognize that maybe if it was about her art or something that she felt secure about herself in, she would. And she has. We've seen that. That she's done that around her babysitting. She's done that around her, her art. But and for other people. But when it right. comes to this, which is already something that she has internalized, I am dumb. Like we hear that from her all the time, that it is very realistic to me that in that moment, she wouldn't have been able to mount her defense. And that to me, ooh, I, so the, you know, we joke about my, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but a therapist years ago who once told me that one of my biggest issues was my overinflated sense of justice. <laughs> and <laughs> that was triggered. All, I hate the word triggered, but it that was um activated, I will say, all mm-hmm. over this book. Like that it that sense of injustice and that right. feeling of helplessness of being like why won't anyone listen to me? And 
the Kishis are almost on my shit list. And, and I can understand why they would have a little bit of like, not doubt, but concern. You know, Claudia ha- has really struggled. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can understand why at first. But they do seem to, the minute she says, I didn't. And Janine backs her up. They seem to back off of that right away. And it's really only Mm -hmm. Claudia that we hear from, from the rest of the book, that she is certain that they're doubting her. And again, to me, that that screams that ADHD rejection sensitivity. We don't see any evidence of that. They, to me at the table, seemed very clear. Got it. That we we totally believe you. We didn't even really think it could be true. We were just concerned and had to ask you, which again, good parenting. But that was was very much from her, for coming through from them. But the point being that I lost it. Um, same same way that you did earlier. Anyway, the fact that she like, oh, I remember now. I thought the Kishis handled it pretty well in that moment. The one I was most upset with is Marianne. So maybe it wasn't perfect, but they handled it, I think, pretty decently overall. The one I was most upset with and, and genuinely hurt by, like I almost cried, was Marianne. Because the, the thing is, she says that you know, if you, she starts with, if you did, we would still love you, which that I get. I, if they did stopped there, I would have been like, okay, maybe not the right time for that sentiment, Marianne, but I get where you're going with that, that like, we're not here to judge you. But then she follows that up with, if you did it, you should just confess so that it's better now, which is very clearly indicates this was not a, right. That's a very different statement and sentiment. Yeah. And it feels out of character for her, but which girl would have said that otherwise. You know what I mean? Because I feel like it's an important thing that... I feel like that would have been a Christy thing to say. Yeah, that's that's what I was afraid of. That's why I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but not in a, a bad way, you know? Like, it's just, you know, because Christy, and I, I think this is part of the reason why you identify so much with Christy, is like, she has that same sense of like, justice and injustice. And I think that she's, you know, sees things like they are, and she calls things like they are. And it's like, we love you regardless. Also, if you cheated, you should just admit it and, you know, take whatever that punishment is. And like, I'm not saying you did cheat, but if you did, let's just handle it and be done with it. And, you know, we'll figure out what we need to do for the club and for you going forward. And like, let's get you out of this bad situation. And not because it's like, well, clearly Claudia must have cheated if she did so well on this test, you know, like, and I feel like coming from Marianne, like the first part of that, like, if you ever cheated, essentially, not this specific, but like if you ever felt the need to do that and you did it, we would understand. We would be there for you. We would support you in figuring out what to do next. And I think the rest of what she said, that would be a thing Christy would, would say, like, if you cheated, let's deal with it head on. Not not in like an accusatory way, but just like, I don't I can tell that you're like stressed out about this. I want you to you know fix it, basically, and not not fix yeah. it, you know, to make me feel better about you feeling bad. But like, let's let's just let's get you back to where you need to be by admitting what you did wrong and we'll fix it. And I think that that's not a Marianne type of sentiment, you know, like she feels things very strongly, but she would never say she would never be the one to say if you did this thing, this wrong thing. You need to admit it. You need to take your punishment, whatever that might be. Well, I think I think it's it would come across. It comes across differently because it's Marianne. I think you're exactly right. Is that Christy would have tackled it from a problem solving situation where right. it wasn't like about emotion or a judgment or anything like that. It is purely a Christy is a problem solver. She's not thinking about the emotion of it. At which I, Lord knows, I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> that that more logical side takes right. over and like okay, well at this point. Whether you cheated or not is sort of immaterial. 
Right. How do we fix it? Because this, you've got the F, here's the situation. Like I can see how that would be the situation in Christie's brain to say something like right. that. The fact that it comes from Marianne, especially in this way, makes it feel like a judgment, makes it feel like Marianne believes that Claudia did this. And so she's trying to as gently as possible encourage her to, right. to come clean. Whereas Christie's feels less like a, I don't care about that. It's about fixing it. And, and that, one feels about the situation and one feels about the person in an ugly way. And that that was awful, to, awful to read. And I I don't know, I, I wish they hadn't let her off the hook quite so easily. I, I wish she hadn't said it at all, to be, right. to be frank. Although but, the way that they walk it back, I think, makes it clear that she was really saying the, like, we're like she obviously said it very poorly and they should have left it with just the first sentence because it would have been much more easy to be like we know that you didn't we support you either way blah 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 but like because she had that rest of the statement then when she's walking it back it seems sort of fake not almost yeah yeah it seems inauthentic and not great you know like she they they do they all do what they can to like walk it back but the fact that she said it in the first place, I think, is the problem. And it's she said it poorly because I think she ultimately really was trying to say, like, we're here for you. And her way of say of saying, like, we're here for you is like, if you did it, let's let's address it. She, you know, she was I feel like she was trying to be like Christy and like come up with a solution. You know, like she wants to show that she is supportive, that they're all supportive. And as part of that. Maybe she wants to make a suggestion as to how they could move forward. And she says it really poorly. And I think maybe I'm giving her too much credit because I identify with Marianne. But Go figure. Yeah. I think that they they should have started the sen- the statements that she made in a different way or framed them in a different way or edited them the way that we've been talking about. Because then it would be much easier. Because I think Claudia could have the same reaction to just that first sentence. If you did it, we would support you. Claudia could be like, if I did it, I didn't do it. I'm, why would she even say that? You know, like she could have the same reaction without that rest of that statement. And it would feel very in character for Marianne to have just said just that first part. And you know what? If they then did that, it like had Marianne say, if you did it, Claudia get defensive and then had Christy say, you know what? It's not about right. that. It's just if you had, we're not going to judge you either way. And if that's the case, then we need to know that so we can help make the plan to go forward. Right. That feels less judgmental. It allows Christy to exactly. say it feels more. And Claudia could still get upset. They could still have that conversation because I think it is a good point to have in there that like as friends, yes, you want to support each other, but just blindly accepting everything everybody says just because you love them. That's a surefire way right. to end up sending your all your money to a Nigerian prince someday. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. maybe that's that's cynical and a little bit. <laughs> maybe we just found out why I'm single. <laughs> but <laughs> no, there. Well, no, we know why that. <laughs> the point is, uh, like, I I understand wanting to have that statement in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I really appreciate is that they didn't give that to Janine. I love that Janine was ride or die throughout and. I especially love it because it makes perfect sense for her character because it's perfectly logical. So speaking of the Claudia as as ADHD theory, uh, you know, we have had some conversation around Janine and ASD autism spectrum. And, and you know, we've we've had guests on to, t- to talk about that. So you can always go back and check out those episodes. Certainly not playing armchair diagnosis. I feel more qualified to talk about the ADHD aspect mm-hmm. just in saying I recognize these experiences. But from what we have learned and, and in the conversations that we've had, that a, a very common marker is that overly logical, that excess of the pre- neocortex taking over. And from a purely logical perspective for Janine, no, I 
trained her. Uh, all right, trained mm-hmm. her. Clearly, wow. <laughs> Started talking about neocortex. I'm back at work. I helped her with this. We studied this. She demonstrated to me over and over again that she understood it. I have absolute faith in her and in, in this. And I, I loved that. That was so unwavering that she mm-hmm. was. I even love that the solution was Janine stepping up and saying, no, okay, and I can respect that you don't want mom and dad to take care of this. Dumb, but whatever. But even at, at like 14, 15, God love Janine, that she's like, adults love me. The school respects me. She's basically <laughs> right. like, the principal respects me. If I just tell him you didn't cheat to give you a chance. And you know what? It fucking works. Right. Like this 15-year-old is so respected that she marches down and is like, nope, I tested her myself. I know that, and the principal takes her word over the teachers. I love that. So I I loved everything about that. I loved that we are seeing that continued Mm -hmm. relationship with them carrying over. We talked a lot about that in in California Girls. So that was really fun for me. And I'm sure for you as well. But I, if you wanted to add to that, but I was genuinely, that was sort of a a sidetrack because I was curious as I was reading and saying, really over-identifying with Claudia, really leaning into that like ADHD of it all, feeling, recognizing that for me in places, even if it wasn't in an academic sense, my struggles were in were in other areas, more socially, ironically enough. I was sort of the opposite of Claudia. But I was curious to, because I was so close to it, I, I wondered how that impacted my reading of it. And I was, I was so curious to hear about your experience of Claudia and how she handled the situation and what she did and didn't do throughout the book as someone who isn't quite as over-identify <laughs> in places. <laughs> well, and I think that Hearing you talk through your sort of experience, seeing what Claudia was doing and why, and you know, from knowing from your experience how she might be reacting in similar ways for the same reasons or similar reasons was really interesting for me because I mean, I know we've talked about the ADHD potential situation for Claudia in the past. And like there are obviously times when I've noticed things or, you know, things that I've seen you do and be like, oh, Claudia's doing that too. I, that sort of like adds to that. But in this situation, I I've never had the experience of like seeing anyone dealing with those things or whatever the response, rejection response thing you were talking about. Like, I'd never even heard those words put together before you said them. So obviously, those are not things that I have any experience with. And so I didn't pick up on any of them. And I think that's part of what was frustrating for me within this book is because Claudia didn't do anything. And so it's to me, she was acting out of character because we've seen her advocate for herself. We've seen her be confident, whether it's about school or otherwise, but because she wasn't doing that, that just like added to the frustration. You know, it's like the Kishis aren't doing what they should do. The teacher isn't doing what he should do. The school's not doing what they should do. The rest of the babysitters aren't doing what they should do. And then on top of that, Claudia is also just sort of being like, well, I guess I get enough. And like one of, you know, towards the end, once the day that Janine comes, she's like, I'm just going to, you know, dress up in my Miss Frizzle under the sea outfit and act like everything's fine and it doesn't matter and I'm great. And like, you know, she gets to the end of the day and is like, I'm exhausted from pretending all day. And it's like, but it just felt like that's what she was doing. The whole book is just like sort of burying her head in the sand and not figuring out what to do. Obviously, they're trying to figure out what to do, but like nothing that they come up with is even remotely going to work. Like listening to Shauna gossip with her friends is not going to help. Like I, you you already know that she cheated. Obviously, you find out that she's an even worse person than we think by hearing her talk. But so at least we, the readers, find out that. But like it doesn't help you prove that you didn't cheat. Going into her locker and stealing a note where she says that she's cheating also doesn't help you because you broke into her locker to steal the evidence. You know, like and not only that, like they're not going to do handwriting analysis like that. No, right. Like you could have written that. Claudia, exactly. Or one of your friends. could. And then like 
I'm sitting next to, to Shauna in class and I'm going to drop words like lie and cheat and steal into sentences because maybe that'll spark her to automatically just admit it. And then writing on her piece of paper, like, if you can read this, you're a, a lying cheater and you should admit it. Like, yes, you're right. Claudia, she's definitely going to be like, oh, I've had a change of heart. I'm I'm a terrible person. I should definitely admit that to everyone like well the best part about that is that at the end when they she takes the test and does well and mr zorzi's like shawnee you're gonna have to take the test tomorrow and she is immediately like can't do that and like breaks down and claudia is like shocked pikachu face i couldn't believe she just confessed and i was like you were expecting her to confess because you used the word lie in a sentence two minutes ago. Why Why are you shocked right. that she crumbled? Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I mean, I, that that's sort of everything I was going to say. It's just, I for me, because I didn't, I wasn't as close to it and couldn't recognize the things that you were able to recognize. It felt I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to think like, is it wrong? Is it bad? It felt both and frustrating. And like, it was just like, I think that that was like one of the like layers of my frustration with this book and why I didn't enjoy it as much as you did, or I might otherwise have if I'd been able to sort of pick up on some of those things and see it in a different way. I, that's what I was thinking, actually, as I was reading it. I was like, I, I can, I'm identifying with this so hard. I'm wondering if this is something that other people are going to be able to identify with or if there's this is just going to be frustrating because I know from having relationships with human beings that when I react in those ways, it can be frustrating for them. Mm-hmm. I, it has certainly been the cause of some of our friction over the years. Now, I didn't know that, that you had never heard those, those words before because a lot of it is rejection sensitivity where I'm convinced that people are mad at me for no reason with no data points. And you're like, what? stop. Why are you being needy and like weird? Like... Stop it. That's what that is. That's that going through my brain, convinced that everybody hates me and that I, you know, and and so that's where I was very much in that mode of Claudia. And I love that you pointed out the the day, the Miss Frizzle day, because that was the one that really like broke my heart in the biggest way. Because that's referred to as masking. And that is mm-hmm. so, so common with ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. And I know that feeling so, so well of feeling like I I know that what I'm feeling is irrational. Recognize that. I understand that. Doesn't stop that feeling from feeling real within my body, especially. And so having to mask in some way, whether it's about a rejection sensitivity, whether it's about feeling like a failure, whether it's about a procrastination, whether it's whatever story my head is telling me at the time, acting like everything's fine, going through the motions, masking those behaviors, like even things like um, staying still in meetings or, you know, not interjecting every two minutes when I get excited about things. That is a form of masking, like stopping those natural reactions. And it is, it is exhausting to, you get to the end of the day and just feel like, you know, sometimes it's easier and harder. I'm obviously a lot better at it, being medicated, being on, you know, being in therapy, being working Mm -hmm. through it. But for an undiagnosed kid who has none of those interventions, it must be exhausting all the time. And that, so that really just broke my heart to hear that said so boldly in that way. And I think, again, really being a product of the times, I'm so curious if someone, or maybe even Ellen Miles, because we're getting so much of it through her in this I'm curious to go back and look at what some of her other ones and some of her her others. I wonder if maybe she has those experiences, maybe even right. undiagnosed for her as well. And is you know writing from from a place of knowledge because we didn't really they didn't know about these things. They didn't talk about these things. Certainly with girls at Claudia's age, I, I know for a fact being <laughs> around Claudia's age. So if they didn't talk about it then, they certainly weren't talking about it when Ellen Miles was growing up. So right. I, I'm I'm curious 
if now I think it would probably help readers like you if that was more of an explicit, like, part of the debriefing conversation of, you know, why didn't right. you stand up for yourself? Oh, this is something that, that we deal with. And I think knowing about it now would make it easier to have those conversations. Yeah. I, I would love to think that you know, if the TV show were able to continue, that that maybe would have been a plot line down there is that, mm -hmm. you know, somebody teacher a little bit older and wiser, maybe even a teacher that got a late in life diagnosis from TikTok, recognized some of those things in Claudia that from themselves growing up that that weren't recognized and are is able to go to the Kishis and, and get her intervention. Like that would have been a really cool plot line. It would have mm -hmm. been really fascinating to see that that play out. But we're going to continue to lament the show forever, aren't we? Yeah, probably. So... It is what it is. <laughs> but the point being is that the emotional stuff to me rang really, really true. And that so it didn't add to the frustration. Mm -hmm. And the frustration around the actions that you pointed out being stupid was was definitely still there for me. And again, I think part of it, I was because I was so keyed in and, and tied into the emotional arc of it, it, I was able to sort of, you know, put it up to plot machinations a little bit more that they, you know, they needed to try a couple of different things. Otherwise the plot would have been over instantaneously. And that's the, the only thing I could think of, uh, like I was thinking all about the ways we could update it around the ADHD and the themes there, but we could not have this plot line in 2022 because they would immediately, if, when Claudia was in the bathroom hearing them talk, she just would have whipped out her cell phone, hit record, right. and then end of story. Exactly. I was like, I kept expecting somebody to be like, we need a tape player. Like right. I was, I was, thinking we were going to get like a talk boy cameo because <laughs> that would have been right around this time right or was when was uh home alone was that 92 home alone was like 90 home alone well that was home alone too and i think that was 93 or 94 94 okay so it was a little early for the talk boy but they certainly had like handheld tape recorders so yes it, just not quite as stylized <laughs> mr pike's a lawyer he absolutely had one of those like little dictaphone right, things like a back little, in the, yeah. yeah. You can't see us, but we're both like holding our fingers <laughs> up to our our faces like old, the old eighties. Uh, like, old time. Tell my secretary, to, right? Uh, re yeah, like With the little like tapes, yes. that are like the size of two quarters. <laughs> um, my uncle used to take those to his college classes, and like he mm -hmm. had like a stack of them and would like listen to them. And so I was determined to record all my college classes when I got to college. I never listened to a single one of those things. That, that was completely a waste. But anyway. No, Thank you. I, I think those were all my big thoughts. Like, I really, I, I absolutely see why we had different reactions to this coming from it from different places. And honestly, where I'm landing on that is I think that's a good thing. I think that's a feature of this series and not necessarily a bug that not every book needs to be for every person, that there can be a level of specificity, that there are, we are certainly going to get to some Marianne books that are really get deep into how oh, we've been there, like with the, the the party where you're like, nope, I totally get it. And I was like, fuck you, Marianne. Like, why are you being, and you're like, <laughs> okay, calm down. Like here's, right. so I, I love that, that, that people are able to bring themselves to these books and see them mm -hmm. in there, even 30 years later, um, recognizing that stuff is still, as it's one of the reasons I was like, oh, I just, I think it was, it's certainly not, how would I just classify it? So Television Without Pity, one of our very favorite websites of all time, sorely missed, much like the yeah. Netflix show. Also lamented. <laughs> yes, Late Great was, it was a, for those of you who, who didn't know or are too young to remember, sorry for your luck, because it was only the greatest site ever where people would watch, we would watch television shows and then then really smart people would write snarky recaps of it. But there was a great community of, of people and it was it was really cool. But they 
the founders are still creating things and they have one of my favorite podcasts, Extra Hot Great. Um, they also have the, the pop culture podcast trivia one that I was on not too long ago. The point is they do a thing in every one of their episodes that I really love where they have the TV canon and people come in and give um, episodes of a show as entries into the television canon. And I would love to start thinking as we get a little further on about a Babysitter's Club canon, like what are the like best books, but I don't, I think we should more like categories because I was thinking about it. I would not call this the best book. I certainly wouldn't call it my favorite book. I wouldn't, I, like, I don't love it. I, in fact, I don't know that I'm going to continue to think about it, even in the way that I'm going to continue to think about some of the other ones that I hated. But it was for me such a quintessential example of what this mid, like a, a, a good, solid Babysitter's Club book has a message, tells the story. Like I said, you've got the main plot, you've got the side babysitter's plot. You get, it, it has all of the main things that I think of when I think of a babysitter's club book in one, including the infuriating them, you know, them sometimes acting <laughs> right. like really dumb 13 year olds and then sometimes acting like really smart 35 year olds right. in between there. So I think that this would be like for me an entry as a like, as an example of if I had to show someone like what is a babysitter's club book, this might be a one that I would hand someone as a this is, again, not the best, not the worst, not the most exciting, not the most memorable. But but like this is what you're going to expect most consistently throughout. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, I'd probably prefer to find another one that <laughs> fills this checks the same boxes. But I I completely agree. This is definitely, you know, taking out of it my frustrations with the book itself. I think that you're right. Like, it, it's a very straightforward story. The girls aren't acting. Well, they sort of are acting out of character. But, like, they're not acting, like you said, like 35-year-old adults, you know, taking parents to task or, you know, getting shipwrecked on an island, which I think is going to forever be our, like, callback to, like, outlandish, ridiculous storylines. But... Yeah, I, I think it's solid. The The B-plot is one B-plot that carries through. It follows ex like just the pikes, which I think is helpful, as opposed to some of the other ones where it's like, there's one chapter that's a babysitting job for the Delaney's, and then there's one for the Pikes, and they have nothing to do with each other. You know, like, like, like. It, I mean, I think poor Mallory is maybe not the best example, but I think that that the nice thing with that was that the B plot there tied in specifically to the A plot, and it was just with the Delaney's, and so we got a very clear story about their family while we were getting the very clear story about Mallory's family and her being the babysitter, I think helps bridge that even more. So maybe that's not, it's not necessarily a good example of what you're talking about, but I think that I appreciate the books where it's like, there's the A plot and the B plot and they're related, but not exactly related. And everyone's acting like a normal 11 or 13 year old child and, you know, going about their business. Yeah. Certainly. I don't think this is the best example of that, of, of like the, the like, quintessential formula formula this is a perfect demonstration of the formula i don't think it's the best version of the formula but i think it encapsulates that formula really well and i think that it is a little bit different and a little bit more typical than poor mallory and two levels like you pointed out that the, the subplot was more tied in this in the poor mallory and while we like that better it did as we note sideline the rest of the club like really more than ever where this one we do get a little bit more of everybody because it being with the pikes you get the pikes but also they have multiple babysitters because they need them for all of them so you get that a little bit more and um the uh, sort of not oh the the level of seriousness of the 
actual theme or event or like topic of the book. Like poor Mallory was about, <laughs> you know, socioeconomic status and, you know, unemployment and, and gender roles. And like they were tackling a lot in that one when this is like middle school cheating scandal, you know, much <laughs> right. more. I, I think that this is much more uh, stereotypical meeting that formula in that it is. Right. The, keeping the stakes more in line with what we would expect from a middle school kids book, as opposed to when when they're trying to tackle one of the issues, like in Poor Mallory, or because we do we, we know we're getting more of those issue books, and again we're going to see how much of a careful what you wish for, uh, the, the situation that is. I, I I have this terrible feeling that we're going to discover that uh, the issue books are very much the like on the level of Punky Brewster getting caught in a fridge <laughs> level of, <laughs> of, of, you know, very special episodes or Webster being molested by the neighbor level of on this never spoken again. Anyway, the point is, I think that this illustrates the formula really well. And I like the formula. And that's why I, I think I overall, overall liked the book. And I liked, I like best the ones that are at this level of, mm-hmm. of, Stakes, I guess, is the right word that I keep coming back yeah. to because the island venture will forever be our callback on stakes. Well, we say that now. We have right. no Who idea. Knows? This is <laughs> very early in the run. Yeah, yeah, this is. I, I was realizing that as I was looking at the um, at our like list, our master list of all of the books, realizing how far we've come, but also how far we have to go. And I was like, man, if we're already like Gilligan's Island and book like. <laughs> 30 something we've got a hundred books to go where are we going to end up by 130 so i think it's going to be interesting yeah definitely i do have a couple of like minor little things not not a ton the first thing because it's it's most related to the claudia bit of it i will note very early on in the book in the introductions in the introductions she is talking about who everybody is and, and it's introducing christie's family and she says, uh, referring to Emily Michelle, she's a two-year-old Vietnamese girl whom Christie's mom and Watson adopted not too long ago. <laughs> you mean to tell me that Claudia Kishi, who can't spell the same word the same way twice within a sentence, knows how to properly grammatically <laughs> use the word whom and does so in a sentence? I have an English degree and I don't use whom I, I mean, I know how to use it properly, but I don't bother because nobody does. And it sounds pretentious as fuck. So I, that made me really laugh. I was like, I was like, that's the only thing for Claudia that seemed massively out of character for me. I was like, <laughs> like what is happening here? The rest of the stuff. Sure. I'll buy. I'll go along. I'll suspend my disbelief for a lot. Not for Claudia Kishi properly using the word whom in casual conversation. That's hilarious. So one of my random things. So at some point, the girls are talking about Shauna and Shauna's friends. Like one of them's named Susan, I think. And so Susan Taylor. So Susan Taylor apparently gets a lot of perms. Fine. But so Susan, Susan Taylor's mom takes her out of school for her hair appointments. And Stacy had been telling her mom about that. And her mom said, OK, so Stacy, I told my mom about that. She said if she said if I thought she'd do that for me, I had another think coming i think that's a k which is actually and i looked it up and that is that's the original thing it's not thing it's think what right Right. i I just assumed it was a plot like an error and i was like oh interesting so did i that's why i I was well because i was like that kind of makes sense because if if i thought that got another i had another think coming and i was like is that is that right i was like is that a mistake is that a typo is that like her being dumb 
it I looked it up. It's real. I mean, thing is now accepted. It's it, that's the more common way to say it, and it doesn't not make sense. But like, I was I was just like reading, and I was like, wait, wait, have I been? Is that a thing? And I googled it, and it was like, yes, that is a thing. I, we've all got another think coming. My mind is absolutely blown. I saw that and I noted it because I thought that that was a funny, that whole little aside about the perms. First of all, what is a wild perm? I don't, like, a, per, a perm's a perm. I mean, I suppose the level of, uh, like, tightness, yeah, but whatever. different amounts of curliness. I unfortunately know all about perms in the 90s because I... I oh, as do I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe not to the same degree because your hair is already curly and mine is not. Yeah, mine is, like, I'm actually really learning how to work with the curl, but certainly as a kid, I did not. And it's sort of halfway between curly and wavy. And I decided ill-advisedly that we should lean into the curl and perm. And my hair is very big to begin with. So, well, let's just say it didn't make the yearbook. It was literally, (laughs) well, we'll post it because it's a very funny photo, but my hair is literally so big, it gets cut off on both sides (laughs) of the yearbook picture. So um, that's what I think of when I think of wild perm. They called me Simba all year long. Um, (laughs) Anyway. The point is, I read that and I was like, oh, that's so funny. She's, you got another thing coming. I was like, oh, I love that Stacey's mom's getting a little sassy. And I was like, oh, that's a funny error. And then when you, I was about to point that out as you were, I was saying, I was going to say, I recognize that too. Isn't there a funny typo in mine? And then now, well, it kind of goes along with, they mentioned that, you know, Shannon, the Bernese mountain dog, I for the longest time thought it was Burmese mountain dog, like <laughs> like the country. I thought I was from there or something. That makes yeah. no kind of sense. Same, similarly, for a long time when I was a kid, I thought play it by ear was play it by year, which kind of like think and thing makes a kind of sense. Like play it by year, year after year, see what's going to happen. I mean, it's a little longer than, <laughs> than <laughs> you're probably thinking about, but I love things like that where it, it becomes, especially when it becomes part of the lexicon to the point where no idea. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good I was catch. like, wait a minute. I, I need to Google this. Cause I think, I feel like I'm missing something. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I learned something today. I learned that another think coming is the original way. Wow. I, I'm going to have another think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Sorry. Very, very apologize. If you thought um, you knew the phrase, you've got another think coming. Like, oh my God. <laughs> That feels like a tagline to something. I know. Oh, I love it. You thought you knew Claudia. You have another think coming. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, speaking of uh, other thinks, I was totally thinking about the conversation that we had around the California girl um, and the the lesson that Mallory was supposed to learn in California Girls about, you know, looking like herself or whatever. And I think that Lynn's point that it was more focused on the money aspect of it is really backed up in this book because when Claudia is describing, when Claudia is describing Dawn, she calls her, I I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she says something like, you knew, you know, she was a California girl the minute you saw her blonde hair, blue eyes, something like that. And I was like, we have the conversation about how there is no such thing as what a California girl looks like there's millions of different definitions of there let alone races and ethnicities and I was like so I just sort of took for granted we're like oh yeah that that was the lesson there but clearly not like the the book clearly asserts that there is a version of a California girl that Claudia or that Mallory the book clearly asserts that there is a version of a California girl that Mallory was attempting to look like she just didn't do a very good job of it like so the lesson was don't 
pay a bunch of money when you don't know what you're doing. Like, I, I don't know. It muddles, it muddles the message from the last one in, a, in an uncomfortable way for me. Well, I think the California girls, I think, made very clear what her idea of a California girl was. And that's what she was trying to do. And I, I, I don't know. To me, at least, I don't feel like it muddies the, the end result of her storyline. Because ultimately, her story is embrace who you are, enjoy who you are. Don't try to be something that you think is aspirational just to be that thing. Like, if you want to dye your hair blonde because you want to be blonde, great. Obviously, maybe let your parents in on that and let them maybe weigh in because you're 11. And maybe go to a professional if you have bright red hair and you want to be a blonde. Exactly. But like, but don't just dye your hair blonde and put on a bunch of makeup because you think that's the right thing to do. You know, just because you don't want to be who you are which, God, that's a sad statement, but that sort of feels like what Mallory was going through in that book. So it's like, I want to be I want to be better than who I am and not a better version of myself. I want to be what I think the best version of a person in my situation could be. And I think that's ultimately what we figure or what she figures out is like, don't just throw on a bunch of makeup and blonde hair dye and expect to change your life, basically. And, you know, embrace who you are. And if you want to change certain things, you want to, you know, get a tattoo, get some piercings, dye your hair, do whatever, wear different clothes, cut your hair, get extensions, whatever, like be whoever you are, be whoever you want to be. And hopefully we get that a little bit more from her going forward. But, you know, as we've talked about, these, these stories are a little bit two steps forward, one step back. And we'll see if we next time we get a Mallory book where she's at on her feelings about herself. That's true. And you're exactly right. I, I think I got hung up on the stereotype thing because that's what I'm... <clears throat> I think I got hung up on the stereotype thing because that's something that I am literally training about right now. I'm, I'm doing anti-harassment training and we're talking about bias and blind spots and, and that like... I use that as an example. Like picture someone from California. Everybody has a version of that in their head. And then here's these... All these people are from California and like show all the different images. So I think that that's where I get hung up on. But you're exactly right. It wasn't about trying to look like a California girl. It was about trying to look like someone else. We were acknowledging that her idea of what a California girl is and was was flawed in the first place. But that really wasn't the point. That was it, she could have been trying to look like a anybody. French girl. Yeah. Exactly. A Canadian girl. And now I have a terrible feeling we're going to get a plot like that at some point where she maybe gets a pen pal from France and is like, <laughs> that would be such a Mallory thing. We, we, and like, yeah, it's the beret <laughs> wearing and the a scarf. beret. And, yeah. and I know that that's such a Mallory thing to do because I just literally described myself at one point. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, honestly, I said my first note was, oh, Shauna is a fucking bitch. Is the mystery how Claudia doesn't deck her? <laughs> <laughs> Because I was pissed. I was so pissed when she just, it was, it was the big eye. Just, I would never. Okay, fine. Go for right. it. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think my only other thing is um, we learn in this one, and I don't recall ever hearing it in one of the books before, Claudia is tone deaf. I, surprising. I mean, it doesn't really add or detract from the story, but, you know, her singing along with the radio in her room, she's like, I was having a great time. I'm tone deaf, so I wasn't sounding great, but I'm having a good time singing while I work on this collage. Like, you go. I love that. I love that. Th I, I love little details like that. That's why I was I think that's one of the Ellen Miles things is like she knows these characters well enough to, you know, put in those things that don't it doesn't add to the plot. It doesn't change her character in any way. It's just a detail that makes her more real and more well-rounded. I love that. The only other really like 
minor thing that I wanted to point out is that we once again are getting Stacy foreshadowing, and and this has been going on a really long time. So I pulled it up. We are at book number forty, and Stacy's emergency is not for another three books. We've got two more, and then Stacy's emergency. When did we first start hearing about Stacy having some issues? Was it all the way back in Welcome Back, Stacy? Has it been that long since she's been back in in Stone? Like I was trying to remember when we first started noting that foreshadowing. I feel like, I mean, it's it might have been that far back. It's, so that was I'm before Winter Vacation. Was, was she, was there a mention of it? Do you remember on Winter Vacation? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I feel like this is something I want to go back and check because if we go back, Welcome Back Stacy is book 28. So that's, you know, 12 books ago if yeah that, that's a really long time for this and it been- has been like every since it started happening it's every book whether it's she's been having some issues or she's been really tired or her saying you know i've just been really run down lately whatever like it feels like feels like we've had in every single book since whenever it started which obviously we can't remember off the top of our heads but i think it's been at least at least since then if not before i would say i'm gonna say over under 10 books yeah. that they've been yeah. laying the groundwork. And you're right. And it's it's been largely an, an aside here and there. Like, it's never been a main plot point. It's just been sometimes, I've noticed typically it's when they're introducing Stacy, but recently she's been not feeling well or she, whatever. Or at if it doesn't that, then there is at one point, like at a club meeting or something, they mentioned that Stacy looked a little tired or she needed an extra snack or something. So I love that. I, that's, that's so cool. I'm, I wonder if kids pick up on that. I, 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 I certainly probably didn't as a kid I, or I don't remember picking up on it as a kid. But I I, uh, I love that that is it's I think it's a really sensitive way to be handling her diabetes because it's going to make that that issue book feel less like the fridging or the Chester, the molester next door neighbor, because it has been the groundwork has been laid that this emergency is not going to come out of nowhere and then go away out of nowhere. That we've been dealing with her diabetes since it was introduced, since Stacy was introduced, really, and this is just a natural evolution of of figuring that out, especially at that age and hormones. And like, I feel like that's really good because that's something that I know a lot of of kids that have diabetes have to deal with as you as you're you know you think you get it sorted and then your body changes and then you know i mean well everybody has to deal with that with whatever your thing is but for diabetes it, it can put your little life at risk so um anyway uh, applause for that they might not handle everything well but the things that they handle well they do really well and again we get to make acknowledgments for where we were in time that this is uh you know i think it's interesting to see how it's evolved that diabetes was something that was needed to be talked about in this way to like destigmatize and to have that a heroin and representation at that time where now that's such a i mean insulin pumps are so normalized people it's it's much more understood easier to manage now we're moving on to talk about claudia's issues <laughs> so we talked about the physical now we're moving on to the mental so anyway I, I I liked this. I clearly gave us a lot more fertile ground to talk about than we truly expected. And it's a Claudia book, so we haven't even touched the fashion yet. And there's not even really that much fashion, but we'll talk about two Claudia outfits that we get descriptions of because the other descriptions are 
basic Janine outfit and a basic Christy outfit. So we don't need to talk about them. Yeah, I was like, I think these are the same exact words to describe Christy's outfit that have been used every single time that anyone has described Christy's outfit in the last 10 books. Yes, it is. that is very true. Okay, so Claudia, our first description of her outfit. Okay, so anyway, I love to dress in a way that some people here in Stony Brook might call outrageous. For example, here's what I'm wearing. Here's what I was thinking of wearing the next day. Since I had the big test, I thought I'd start with my lucky earrings, the ones that look like princess dyes. They're huge pretend emeralds surrounded by thousands of tiny phony diamonds. <laughs> then I thought I'd work downward from there, wearing my new green and blue tie-dyed t-shirt dress. The casualness of the dress would be an interesting contrast to those fancy earrings over green leggings. The only thing I hadn't figured out was the shoes. Should I go with my old ballet flats or the black leather high tops I'd just gotten. I was having a hard time deciding. I mean, black leather high tops all the way. I know she, she ultimately did- goes with the ballet flats. But yeah, I agreed. I feel like that would have added another like touch of interesting to her outfit if she had gone with the high tops. The contrast with the high tops right. and the, the, the fanciness of the earrings, because it's funny. I was like, ooh, maybe I'm better at fashion than I thought, because that was my very, before I got to the sentence where she said it was going to be an interesting contrast, I thought, ooh, in- I like the high-low of it. Yeah, I thought that was a that was a fun one. But I, she called it outrageous. I think that that's one of the it's lesser. straightforward, yeah. Yeah. For, for some of the other things that she has described, I mean, like skeleton earrings and. Right clown pants at one point wasn't it like something <laughs> yeah suspenders or something anyway yeah lo- uh, lots of different tame. things yeah this is pretty straightforward um and then the other claudia outfit this was her miss frizzle day I decided that my theme for the day would be the sea. I put on a blue skirt with brightly colored tropical fish printed all over it. Then I put on a green blouse. I figured that could represent seaweed or something. I pulled my hair into a ponytail over to one side and I pinned it with a sand dollar barrette I made last summer. I ran to my closet and pulled out a pair of shoes. They're the plastic kind called jellies that I had decorated with stickers of seahorses and shells. I looked at myself in the mirror as I slid the shoes on. Was it too much? I shook my head. I looked great. I looked like someone who didn't care about what grade she got on a dumb old math test. Oh, I mean, that last sentence just hurts my heart. So do the jellies. I had a visceral, I had a visceral reaction to the jellies because I went, oh God, those are coming back now, aren't they? And a quick Google search says absolutely yes. yes. They most certainly are. And I, I get that Crocs have kind of like, they're, they're holding that same court now. Um, I think kids are using Crocs sort of interchangeably as jellies. I, I just remember the sweaty, sweaty feet. I, oh God, I had a pair of heeled like jelly heels that I just love. I thought I was the coolest thing in the entire world. And the, the clear jelly purses and bags. Oh, no, please. Like, yeah, you, you can, can do that. without those. Yeah, you can leave that in the 90s. Oh, God, the word jellies. I literally had a like <laughs> a, 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 a reaction in my body. Yeah, <laughs> please don't make me not my favorite at all. So predictions for Marianne versus Logan. Mary Ann versus Logan. So I I genuinely don't remember. I know this is the one where they, I think this is the one where they break up. I should say that. I, I know it. they do break up at some point and then they get back together and it doesn't last near, the breakup doesn't last very long. And I remember as a kid wanting it, like it feeling like it was a really long time between when they broke up and got back together when looking at it now. Logan misses very, Mary Ann is, or Mary Ann misses, Mrs. Logan is in one, two, three four, five, six books. And one of those six is a super special, which we, as we have acknowledged happen outside of our time bubble. So clearly they're not apart very long. And like I said, as a kid, that was 
too long. As an adult, I'm like, we can keep it longer. Do we even need to bring him back? So I don't remember what causes the problems. So I'll, I'll give a realistic guess and then a, you know, a fun one. Um, my realistic guess is I believe it has something to do with babysitting that they have. I want to vaguely say that there's some kind of like problem child-esque thing and they disagree over how to handle it. And Logan turns out to be right. And that makes Marianne like feel bad or something. Or maybe it's the other way around. Marianne's right and Logan's, well, that seems more accurate based on how we've actually discovered Logan to be, that Marianne is right and he his tiny little bird brain can't handle it and he like melts down and dumps her. Um, I don't think that that's right though. So my um, my like fun swing for the fence prediction would be that Logan um, goes full on incel, men's rights activist, and starts a campaign to only allow women, the girls, to take home ec because the girls in the woodshop class are showing him up because they made a better birdhouse. So women belong in the <laughs> kitchen, men belong in the woodshop. We can have we we can have a full on like parks and recreation style uh, men's rights little whiny baby protest when <laughs> that's not even a thing. So <laughs> those are my those are my predictions. Uh, what about you? Do you remember this one? I don't think that I read this one. I am starting to realize I think that I think Christie's Mystery Admirer might have been the last book that I read. I wow, will wow, see wow. If, if any more jump out as we read them. But I I think at, I think I maybe read that and I was like, it's not getting any better from here and just kept <laughs> rereading the ones that I already knew and loved because um, I definitely didn't like stop reading babysitters club books i mean i've told you there are some of them that like california girls for example or island adventure that like when i came home from college i would still read those as my like i just need to fall asleep i'm gonna read this book that i grabbed off my old childhood bedroom shelf but yeah so this one i don't remember reading the name isn't sparking anything with me so i'm gonna just say i think that the the verses is something like school related like like there's like a competition at school or it's like a magazine sale type thing i probably Spirit not that Day. specifically but yeah like like color war or something you know like there's some sort of thing at school that's a competition and they're on opposite sides and despite it being marianne and she's usually very you know reserved and a little less like out there and dramatic we'll say i think whatever it is she gets very into it logan gets very into it and i mean although we, didn't we kind of have that in like the winter war i guess that was more christy was like super but like i feel like it's going to be something like that like they're that on se yeah. separate teams and i don't know and we'll we'll throw in a, a, a side like love interest for each of them on their teams that they like not necessarily like love interest but like they both like have to pair up like their co-captains with like logan's with a girl marianne's with a boy and they're Ooh, both like jealous like about like the connection so not only are they competing against each other in this school competition they're also like jealousy issues and competing with each other with like you know oh look i'm having so much fun with brad over here and logan's like well i'm having so much fun with susan taylor like yeah. something like that i think that, that's where this. I'm going with it. I, there, there's all kinds of romantic intrigue on top of actual competitiveness. I like it. I like it a lot. I want to say, I'm, I'm trying to like see if I can remember the cover because that's when I 
looked at this cover, I remembered that. Still didn't remember the plot, but when I pulled up the book, I went, oh, okay, I remember this cover. So I'm going to try to, we initially started that, trying to remember what the covers looked like or predict what the covers look like. And I think I remember this one, I want to say like a skating rink. I'm envisioning them uh, and like a skating rink and roller skates and somebody's like falling down and the rest of the people are helping them up. I, I know that is a cover. That is definitely a cover. I don't know if it's this one or not. But I want to say it's, I, for whatever reason, I want to say it's this one. I could be completely off. Lord knows we usually are, but <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna throw that out there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I can't wait to find out. I okay. know. Well, is there any other Final Club business before we wrap this up? No, I'm just super excited to wait, let watch Marianne dump his ass. I dump your <laughs> ass. I want a full-on 11 moment. Uh, no. Um, actually, yes. Let's remind everybody all of our fun um, socials and how to get in touch with us. So you can reach us online. Yes, because this is online. Go figure. It is now. Yes, we are on the internet. <laughs> it is 2020, 2022, 2022, whatever. Wow, I clearly am, have reached my limit Way for the in day. the future. Yes, it is 2022. We are online. Um, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at GenerationBSC. Or if your thoughts cannot be contained and you want to send us an email, you can email us at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. Also, it's been a minute since we've reminded everyone. So if you can take a second to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. We are excited to be back after our summer break. And we've got a lot of really fun stuff coming up, heading into the mysteries. We're heading into some of these really cool side books that I know for a fact that we have not explored ever. So like the portrait books, I notice Logan's story is coming up relatively soon. I hate him, but I'm intrigued. So <laughs> yeah, the more the more people that we um, get to engage with, the more fun things we can do. So make sure you come talk to us. We love to hear from you. Definitely. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. <laughs>